You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. Is everyone ready to go? Everyone enjoying themselves? We ready? All right, let's do this. Uh, so welcome to Locked on Bucks. Thank you all for coming out here and enjoying this podcast and hopefully enjoying some beers. Uh, make sure you buy a lot of them for our, our good friend Tim at the bar. Be sure to thank him, the owner here at Broken Bat. So shout out to Tim. He was kind enough to host us for this whole thing. Uh, as you can tell, we are very much testing this out for the first time. Uh, so we might, uh, you know, we might have some feedback on the mics at some point. You might not be able to hear me all that well at some point, but hopefully we'll get through it. So thank you all for coming out. Uh, hopefully you guys are having a good time. Frank and I managed to pull together a bunch of things that we have for like about the Bucks. So I have like eight random bobbleheads back here. Frank has like. I don't even know. A couple shirts and a couple bobbleheads. Okay, a couple shirts and a couple bobbleheads. So we'll probably give some of those away at some point. Frank says he has trivia questions. I did not come prepared. Um, so Frank will take care of all of that. Uh, but overall, hopefully we should have a really fun night. Hopefully you guys really enjoy this. Uh, we'll be joined by Senior Vice President of the Milwaukee Bucks, Alex Lazar. I don't know where Alex is right now. I think he's drinking a beer somewhere. Oh, he's at the bar, of course. Um, hey, Alex. Uh, so Alex will join us here in a little while. We'll do some Q&A. Overall, hopefully we end up having a really good time. Uh, if you have any problems at some point, I don't know, raise your hand. Let me know. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but we'll figure it out as we go. So uh, I think how Frank and I kind of wanted to open was just, you know, like state of the Milwaukee Bucks, where the team is at, and we'll kind of go from there and be a little bit more specific. But, Frank, uh, the Bucks are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I bore witness to the, the DJ Wilson revolution last night in person, so that was pretty exciting. Um, this is also technically an emergency podcast because I don't know if you guys are watching the G League showcase today, but... Christian Wood did drop like 36 and 18 boards for, uh, for the herd. So uh, shout out to the Christian Woodlands. Um, the citizens are united. Um, so free Christian Wood. Uh, we'll have a lot of questions for Alex about uh, Christian Wood, I'm sure. Um, but uh, I think be before we go too far, sure. um, we obviously wanted to thank Broken Bat for having us. We want to thank you guys for coming out here. A lot of familiar faces, a lot of new faces. Um, just cool that there's a Bucks fan community that like actually wants to come out and talk about the Bucks, and as part of that, actually listen to us talk about the Bucks. So <laughs> thank you very much. Um, also, uh, mention this that uh, we were hoping to use this as like a a forum for doing something positive beyond talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, mentioned the other day a uh, heretofore still anonymous friend of the podcast um, 
told us, hey, if if uh, if you guys want, I mean, I'm, I'll donate ten bucks per person that shows up at this podcast. And I said, awesome, great. Uh, he said, you know, how, how many people does this place hold? Like, you guys don't have that many fans, do you? Right? And I was like, <laughs> eh, you know, like maybe. And so he said, like maybe up to like a hundred people that show up or whatever. So I was like, awesome, whatever we can get. Um, and then he didn't even bother counting. He today made a donation to uh, the Mac Fund for a thousand bucks. So, uh, shout out to anonymous friend of the podcast um, for uh, for his generosity um, for uh, you know trying to give people a little bit more of a reason to uh, to come out on a cold, uh, kind of cold. Actually, yeah, it's not it's really that cold. Damp, yeah, I live in Texas now, so yeah, it's cold for me. But you know, I'm soft. Um, so uh, so thanks a lot for that. And then, um, I don't know if there's anything else. I, oh, I other wanna... thing with the Mac Fund, 10% of all the beers sold tonight, that will go to the Mac Fund. So, again, shout out to Tim for doing that. But uh, So drink up. Please drink up. Uh, keep getting beers. Uh, and all of that will, you know, 10% of that ends up going to the Mac Fund at the end of the night. And we end up, hopefully, like Frank and I always say, like, if you're going to talk about something useless like the milwaukee bucks like you might as well try to do something good uh and, and that's what we're going to try to do tonight so and we also want you to be really drunk so that you <laughs> you know are more amused by bad jokes uh dj wilson references i'm halfway like that, there so. frank i'm halfway there so uh all right let's uh let's let's kind of figure out what we want to do here so uh like i said we'll have Alex in a little bit but when you look at this bucks team frank are you is surprised a word you would use about how good they've been thus far this year? I know both of us, me a little bit more strongly, said 50 wins uh, before the season. You weren't quite sure too much of that Bucks fandom you had in you. Uh, you weren't I'm sure. old, that's why. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You, you had more years than I did. You weren't ready to take that leap. Are you surprised they're as good as they are? They've won over two-thirds of their games. I'm surprised that I'm like living through it. I'm, I don't know if I'm surprised that the Bucks can be good. I'm surprised just that it's it's happening and I'm here to see it. And I've been able to go two games and they've won both of them and people are excited. And we still have a lot of random things as Bucks fans that we find you know to be annoyed about and complain about, myself included. But uh, it's it's a really fun. I, I don't. I mean, I was around for the 2001 playoff run. You know, I came back from college. I went to an Eastern Conference Finals game. That was amazing. I guess still the high point of my Bucks <laughs> fandom since they haven't sure. won a playoff series since then. Um, but the Mo uh, Williams game winner isn't doing it for you. No, oh, I do okay. remember where I was when that happened. It was a good one. Uh, listening to Johnny Macko nuts. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I don't. I don't know if surprise is the right word, but um, kind of like wary, I guess maybe that something could happen and it could all come crashing down. But also trying to enjoy everything good that's happening and and really just Giannis, just enjoying Giannis <laughs> and his existence. I was. Saying before before here, I went to the game last night, and um, I think I got out of my chair like once for uh, when Giannis had that like kind of coast to coast dunk in the fourth quarter. Sure. And then I was thinking about, I was like, you know what? He had like a number of other kind of like ridiculous, just you know, for mortals, like just drives and dunks. Sure. And I, I was not appreciative enough of it. And we've talked about that on the podcast that we should be more appreciative of Giannis and what he does. So I'm having my penance here tonight, saying sorry, you know, my confession. Um, Worshipping the Church of the Freak, uh, that that we should appreciate that. So, I mean, uh, that Statue of Liberty full extension one last night. That was that was a beauty, and I would agree. Like you know, when you think about kind of this team and where it's at, and you know what they're doing, you know, it's Giannis, man. Like the Bucks have a real MVP candidate, and maybe not just an MVP candidate, the 
MVP. Like we're in that spot where he's the front runner at this point. He's the guy that probably should win it. And I do, I do think that's one of the interesting things is you mentioned as Bucks fans, we always find a way to be upset about something, right? Like there's there's always got to be something wrong. No matter no matter how good things are going, there is something wrong. And all of a sudden, there's just this beacon of not wrongness. There, there is very little wrong with Giannis. You know, the turnovers maybe, and maybe we can talk about that, but we'll, we'll leave that out for now. Just you have a guy that is undoubtedly a superstar in this league, and he's able to take over games. He's able to affect games at the end. He's able to do all these things, and it's just kind of an incredible spot to be at as a Bucks fan. Yeah, and I think you know Zach Lowe tweeted about it the other night that you know you see DJ Wilson and Sterling Brown defending Blake Griffin last night, defending Anthony Davis, and like looking like, you know, especially DJ looking like a competent NBA basketball <laughs> yeah. player. Raised voice, question mark. Is DJ Wilson um, And so and then you start to think like, I mean, we talked about it before the season, like great coaches sort of make everybody look better. And yep. now all of a sudden, wow, uh, you know, Eric Bledsoe suddenly isn't frustrating anymore. Um, <laughs> You know, some of these young guys are actually looking like they could really be part of a rotation that plays in the playoffs and does things in the playoffs. So um, I think we're just sort of having to, like, recalibrate what we thought, especially especially a lot of national media people thought about this team and the roster last year and started to think, like, the ceiling is different. And I think you compare it to, like, a team like the Raptors, who I think most people feel like the Raptors could win a championship this year. Like, that's not totally out of the realm of possibility. And I think you kind of go man for man with the Bucks, and you kind of say, well... There's a scenario here where why not the Bucks? Kawhi? Come on. Yeah. Giannis versus Kawhi? Yeah. Best player? It's pretty we, clear. We have, to, we have to make the list of the people who said Kawhi was the best player in the Eastern Conference for the season. Um, we I know mean, that's, you have all the stat have, keepers taken care of, I so list. I think yeah, you can take care of that list as well. Um, but anyway, it, I think that's, it's exciting just like what the, the, the potential is with this team now. We know there are challenges, as I often point out keeping this team together in its current form even or even getting better next summer um but obviously i think there's a more clear path to doing that um based on some of the moves of late so um so yeah it's uh it's a time to feel pretty good it's it's christmas we're gonna get christmas bucks yeah um knock on this wood table that um we don't recreate uh what we saw the last time the bucks were in new york no why'd you Um, bring it up we're having a good time frank so yeah sure we were having a good time we were having a nice time frank um but uh but yeah it's it's a great time to to be a Bucks fan it's a great time to be here with you guys i'm really glad we didn't have to come here after a really disheartening pelicans loss that would have been it would have been a little bit of but just being with the Bucks fan community i feel like can get us through we've been through Way worse. Way (laughs) worse. worse. Yes. So I think we can handle a one-game losing streak, which, reminder, we've only had a one-game losing streak. That's been the worst worst downside so far this year. So No, I I thought one thing you brought up there is really interesting, and I I don't know if we focus on it enough, but when you look at the Eastern Conference, who do you fear? Anybody? No? No no one, right? Like, you look at the Toronto Raptors, like, oh, yeah, the Bucks have dispatched them twice. And, oh, they did so in Toronto. And they did so on a night where, you know, Giannis wasn't totally involved and they found a way to win that one. Oh, Boston Celtics, okay, maybe a little bit scary. Maybe a little bit. Last time uh, in the TD Garden, it didn't go so well, but we'll see how it goes tomorrow night. And then you kind of go down the line and all you can find is reasons why the Bucks could beat all of these teams like you're looking at all of them and who 
who are you scared of? I don't think there's anyone to be scared of in the Eastern Conference. And it's just such a strange spot to be in where, you know, other teams forever in the Eastern Conference were like, man, I don't want to play LeBron. That, that would really suck. Man, I don't want to play Giannis. That would really suck. Like, that's where you're at at this point where you have the best player in every series, period. Like, that's just how it is. Like, you get to the Western Conference Finals, okay, you can make a Steph argument, you can make a KD argument, I'm fine with those. But in the Eastern Conference, Giannis is the best player in that series, period. Like, there, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, like, I just think you look at last season's playoffs and, you know, they had their be- the best player in that series. It was Giannis, and they had the second best player in that series, and it was Chris Middleton. And, well, they had Jason Kidd as a coach. Well, not Jason Kidd, but Joe Prunty, yeah. an extension of Jason Kidd as a coach. Right. And the remnants of the Death Star, that was Jason Kidd. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, so now you don't have that. You have a very competent coach in Mike Boonholzer, and all, all of a sudden you have a team that, that is really dangerous in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, and... By the way, I just uh, want to also give a shout out to my wife, who is a Rockets fan, as some of you may know. What? Um, Come on! Did anyone? Did anyone know that? Yeah. Kate, that drinking game. Yeah. The, Kate has. The, this is a perfect night, not because she has to listen to me, but because uh, she's over here knitting, which she loves to do. She loves knitting and watching basketball. The Rockets game is behind you. It's on over there, and the Rockets game is on. So this <laughs> this really just all kind of came well. There together. goes her phone. She's not using her phone uh, anymore. Yeah, she she's going to start watching the game. She on was the watch, TV. She was watching the Rockets on League Pass, and uh, and now she can just watch it watch it there. So um, thank you for putting up with with me more generally, Kate, and for being also a Bucks fan. I have to point that out. She is also a Bucks okay, fan. Okay, sure. And uh, my daughter, my 11 month old, she's rocking a lot of her Bucks green. A uh, little baby onesie, so That's, we're feeling pretty good about the pass she's on there um, <laughs> right now. So, all right, um, anything else you want to cover generally? I, I know we talked a little bit about Bub. We talked a little bit about Giannis. Um, anybody else we're we're thinking about talking about? Uh, yeah, Chris, is that a good year? DJ Wilson, maybe. That's a thought. Uh, let's I, let's save it for the Q and A. Just wait. Yeah. We can save that for Tim. When do you guys close? Uh, can we do like 11.05 for DJ Wilson talk? We'll see. Um, but we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but I think with all that being said, I think we can give everyone a chance to go get a beer if you need a refill. And we can bring up our very special guest, Alex Lazary. So with that being said, go get some more beer. We'll be back in a little bit. Hey, guys. We're coming back. I hope you guys got some more beer. As I said, 10% to the Mac Fund, so I'm happy that all of you are drinking. I'm drinking as well. All right, so right now we are joined by our very special guest, friend of the pod? Yeah, friend of the pod? I think that's right. Okay, friend of the pod, senior vice president at the Milwaukee Bucks, Alex Lazary. Let's give Alex a hand. So, Alex, I, I don't want to go too far out of bounds here, but I know this is a big day for you because you're on the podcast. That's right. This is So I need to start off by saying hi to my mom. Um, she is probably the biggest podcast fan. I think this is probably the proudest moment of her life. Um, me coming on the Locked on Bucks pod. Uh, I actually don't know if I've done anything that has surpassed it. And I don't know if I will do anything. Yeah, probably this not. is probably the, uh, the peak. So, Mom, I just want to say hi. Uh, I did it. I've officially come on the pod, and uh, now it's all complete. Yeah. Sh- shout out to Kathy Lazary. Um, yeah. And I, it's funny because you've mentioned this. 
you've always said like, oh, my mom's a fan of the podcast. You've never really said about your opinions of the podcast. So <laughs> I felt like we, we felt like we had a good chance of getting your mom. But yeah. like we we're like, eh, Alex might be touch and go. I, I, I stand by it. My mom's a big fan of the pod. Yeah. So maybe so version 2.0, we'll have Kathy on. That's right. It'll be great. We'll uh, Mar- maybe Mark. will I don't know. Maybe we'll find time for him at some point. But whatever. Yeah. Less he, important. Trust me. My mom's much more knowledgeable about basketball than my dad. So, <laughs> so um, really important, hard-hitting question. Do you ever just go up to Giannis and just thank him for existing at this point? Like, what's? Um, you know, I he he's got a really you know healthy. I think enough people are going up to him saying thank you. We like to try to keep him just you know a tad in check. Um, no, I think whenever we're, uh, yeah, Giannis, you know, he, you know, he's not humble at all. Um, no, we, uh, you know, Giannis, what's great about him is if you did that, he would get really upset. Like, it wouldn't be funny. He wouldn't think it was a joke. Like, he, he is such a team-oriented person that whenever you try to talk to him about or say like, hey, you're doing a great job or anything like that, he wants to always bring it right back to the team. Um, and that is, you know, it's no BS or anything. Um, with a lot of guys, I think you can kind of tell, you know, they're saying that to say that because they know it's going to sound good in public. With Giannis, there's something really genuine and authentic about every time he tries to take the all of the praise and everything off of him and put it back on the team and I think that's because he he really does believe that this is a team game and he's only as good as the teammates around him are going to be and the team's only going to be as good as the teammates around him are going to be so while we are incredibly thankful that uh that he's a buck and that he loves Milwaukee and loves being here um if you ever tried to like go do that to him he would I think just he would turn it back to the team right away. Um, That's just the kind of person that he is. I I can relate to that because people a lot of times say, like, you're the best part of Lockdown Bucks. Like, thank you so much. And then it's just like, no, Eric's (laughs) also on the podcast. It's it's, it's very similar. No, it's very very similar. I was sitting down and I kind of felt like the the sweaty balls uh, (laughs) SNL (laughs) NPR sketch where it was just like really hiding behind. So I'm just Alex and I are going to stand. Eric's actually tall enough that he can he can sit down, I guess. But no, it's funny you mentioned that about Giannis because I I just did a book signing. Hey, I have a book. Everyone, you should buy it. Um, uh, I I have some books back here if you want to buy them after. But um, I did a book sign last week, and someone in the crowd had asked, like, we're going to do a Q and A. So after I did it, like, we had a Q and A, and they're like, Is Giannis as genuine and as personable as he seems in interviews? And I was like, yeah, the guy, yeah, no, like the guy that you see, that's him. And it literally turned into a competition of every person in the room. Like at the moment, I had like one person raising their hand for a question. Immediately, like five hands shot up and it became a competition for who could find the most modest Giannis story. (laughs) And a a woman's like, she, she, I don't even think she seemed that interested in my book, but she whips her hand up there and she says, I just wanted to tell you, last February 14th, I saw him over at Sendix buying flowers. And I was like, <laughs> yes, if, you know, Valentine's Day, that makes sense. And she was like, I just want to say, I think he's probably a good boyfriend. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, he probably is. Like, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. And then I had someone tell me that uh, another hand goes up and, well, you know, I was at Costco and Giannis was there renewing his membership. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so when we were in Indianapolis, I relayed all of this to Giannis. I was like, 
the people of Milwaukee don't think you're a human being because like they don't realize that you do human things. And I told him the Costco story and he was like, oh, I remember that day. And I was like, what, like someone like real crazy? He was like, no, man, I probably took like 200 pictures. It was awesome. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, sounds good. But like that's, that's him. I, I think the best, the story that sums up Giannis, I think the best is when he does his event at Pick and Save. And you get a line of, you know, 500 people. And the thing says, you know, Giannis will be there from 6 to 7 or 6 to 8. And he'll stay there till 9, 30, 10. And just to make sure that everyone who shows up gets a picture or gets an autograph. And there aren't a lot of players who, one, there aren't just a lot of players or people, not even players, just people who would do that. Um, but especially at his caliber. Um, who would stay, I think, an hour or two after an event is o after his time for the event is done. And you've already given, probably taken 200 pictures already. So it's not like anyone's going to be saying that, oh my God, what a terrible person. How could you leave <laughs> after two hours of smiling and signing autographs? But he wants to stay. And that's like his favorite event is doing that pick and save event because. It's him getting to talk with fans. It's him getting to interact with, you know, with people who love the Bucks and want to, you know, just come and be supportive. And there just aren't a lot of, I think, guys in the league or in sports who are just that genuine and authentic. And you know, as great as he is on the court, I think we're just as lucky the fact that. He's as humble and authentic off the court as well. And I think that's something that um, just makes him that much better um, and that just that much mil more Milwaukee. Um, it's almost like we found the, the perfect person from Greece to come to Milwaukee uh, and represent the Bucks Because um, I think he just kind of represents everything that this city really stands for, which... Uh, I don't know if a lot of, you know, if you're always able to find the superstar that really represents and emulates the city, um, but I think Giannis does, and it's because of that real authentic humbleness that he has. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit about this team this year. Um, just a, a general question, how much fun do you have watching this team? Uh, this is... This because I've seen you play basketball before. And if anyone, <laughs> and I mean anyone, embodies the let it fly mantra, yeah. it is Alex Lazar. That's right. That's right. Uh, no, this has been, you know, I used to say Mirza was my spirit animal because <laughs> there was no place on the court. Uh, there was one play I remember um, very vividly. It was a preseason game against Chicago uh, where there was a ball that was rolling close to out of bounds. I think there had to have been 16 seconds left on the shot clock. And Mirza grabbed it, was right by the Bucks bench, like by the hash, just turned around and let it fly. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what I would have done in that situation. Um, and I think what I do love about this team is the fact that I think you're getting, you've got guys who aren't scared to, to put it up. Um, I like the pace that we're playing with. I like the fact that we are shooting a ton of threes just because it, I think it, uh, not, yes, math, but it also, it, it at least makes it seem like the way I play is validated. And that to me, uh, that to me helps. So, but watching, you know, I was at a game one time and 
I think this was the Philly game, and I think Brooke missed the first his first five threes. And you hear people, you know, behind you being like, "No, pump fake and take a step in." And then Brooke hit his next five threes, and that to me is is what I think embodies this team, which is, hey, missing a shot is not a bad shot. Missing a shot doesn't mean that you didn't take the right shot. Missing a shot is just what happens in basketball. You're going to miss. And the fact that all the guys on the team know that even if they go maybe 0 of 10 one game, their minutes aren't going to get cut the next game or the game after or anything like that. They have the confidence and, and the belief that, yeah, even if I miss 10 shots this game, I'm going to make 8 the next game, and it'll, it'll all come back down to earth. And I think that's what's really fun to watch about this team is that they're – there's just no fear, and I think that's shown in the fact that no matter who we're playing against, we're playing the same way. Um, there's trust in the system, and there's trust in themselves, and trust in the teammates, which um, you know I think has been a, 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 a real revelation this year. But you know, mostly it's just the validation that my style of basketball, um, <laughs> the way that I play at the Milwaukee Athletic Club, uh, allows me to then go back to everyone I play with and say, see, no, the Bucks do it, so, so we can do it. So we, we've talked for a while, and we have yet to talk about uh, the collective bargaining agreement, which, you know, is obviously my favorite thing about, oh, about basketball. Oh, man, oh, this kill. is why the people love you, Frank. This is why they love you. Ha- I have Dan Helsel. I at least have one person who's here with me. But, um, so, Minutia, woo! So I'll tie this back to basketball. So, so let me ask you this. So... Um, on this podcast, we have uh, frequently bemoaned the challenges of keeping, you know, even the kind of current roster together, which is a good problem in the sense that, like, wow, you actually have a bunch of guys who are good and would be in demand, and you actually want to keep them and probably gonna have to pay them a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I think fortunately that the path to doing that became a bit clearer recently with the Henson Del Vidova deal. Um, but we've heard kind of, and this is really going back a few years, I think, really when. Um, you know, new ownership came in and, and talked about like, you know, you always get asked like, would you pay the luxury tax, et cetera. And I think at the time there was a sentiment that, you know, there's, there's a time, a level of competitiveness where that becomes an option. Um, there are very good reasons to not want to pay the luxury tax aside from just not wanting to spend a bunch of money um, for reasons I won't bother getting into because um, I could actually see all your eyes glazing Give over. Give the people what they <laughs> um, want, Frank. No. Um, I told I told Eric yesterday that um, I felt like I'd be a little less long-winded just because I'll be able to see people nodding off in person versus on the on the podcast I can't. Um, but let me ask you this: so so based on where the team is now, how you think it's trending? You know, the fact that you've got obviously some guys coming up in free agency next summer that you want to keep, potentially options to do things flexibility-wise beyond that. What is sort of ownership's view of you know? the possibility of having to pay the luxury tax, of having to kind of go, um, you know, above a, a number that, you know, most teams are not willing to go over unless you have a championship contending team. And obviously right now, I think there's still a question, you know, exactly how good is this team, how ceiling, how high is the ceiling of this team, but kind of what's the perspective now from like an ownership view of like, you know, w- what you'd be willing to do? So if, if there's one thing to know about my dad and Wes is, and Jamie, that these are three of the most competitive people that you will meet. There is nothing that they hate more than losing. Um, they're not used to losing. Um, for them, it's about, look, if, you're, if we're competing for a championship and it looks like we have a chance to win the championship, they will pay the luxury tax. If we are paying the luxury tax to be a six seed, 
no, that's not going to happen. There's, you're not going to just spend recklessly uh, to be a six, seven, eight seed with you know a one percent chance of making the finals. But if this year this team shows, hey, you know, we take it to you know go to the conference finals, take it to six or seven games, and looks like you know we're on the cusp or we're on the cusp of getting to the finals and competing for a championship. I, you know, I think ownership is and are willing to go into the luxury tax and dip into that to make sure that we're able to put a team on the court that can win. If getting a, you know, top, another top four, five, ten player in the NBA means we have to dip into the luxury tax, that's not going to be a problem because to make sure that we're able to compete and put a championship team on the court, um, that's something they want more than anything. There's no point in owning a team if you're not going to try to win. Um, it's, you know, it, there, there are other ways to, you know, and especially for, you know, investment titans to make money um, less expensively uh, <laughs> than, than the way that than owning a basketball team is if, then, if you're not trying to win. And so if you're not in it to win, I think they would say either, look, if we're not in it to win a championship, there's no point in owning the team. Um, but, you know, if... Would have they paid the luxury tax two years ago going 41 and 41? No, because we weren't competing for a championship. Being the number two seed in the East and going to the conference finals or going seven games in the conference semis and we really think, hey, this is a team that next year can win, yeah, I think that's something that they would look into. They would have to be convinced that this is a championship contending team. And I think right now there's a lot of evidence to show that this is a championship contending team. Um, and I think that's where... That's where we would look at it. So if there's you know, anything to take away, I think it's that, yeah, if we're looking at a championship and competing, you dip into the luxury tax. If you're looking at just trying to make the playoffs or going to the lottery, not paying the luxury tax. Do you feel like the timeline – I mean, the NBA is really difficult, right, because I think you think a lot about like creating a championship window for a team, right? I mean, that's sort of what everybody's trying to do. It's so hard to win a title – um, so many things have to go right, but all you can kind of do is put yourself in a position where you have the window to compete. Um, I mean, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I did not think that we'd be talking about the Bucks having a chance of going to the finals this year, and I think it's much more, much more reasonable discussion now than it was. I'm not saying it's you know they're going to be favorites to go to the finals <laughs> or anything like that, but um, but they're in the mix, right? And I think not just because the point differential is what it is, but because there's, you know, basically the foundation, the infrastructure with Giannis and everything around him, coaching, et cetera, to, to potentially play at that level. Um, I mean, when you guys talk inside the organization, I mean, is there this sense that, wow, the time, you know, the window, our timeline of, of competing is actually been pulled up. We feel like we have a better chance of actually doing this versus where we were, you know, in August, in July, or do you feel like this is more like, the realization of yeah we thought we could be be here so you know i i know this because i took a lot of heat all of last year whenever i would say this is a really talented team um i always thought this was a really talented team um it's not like we've added a ton of new um a new players this year compared to last year you know brooke and urson have, and pat have definitely added to our depth but if you look at of you know a vast majority of the contributors that are on this team this year they were here last year and the you know I've always felt this was a extremely talented team 
I always actually felt that we actually had a really good shooting team. Um, I always thought that if you looked at the guys that we had put on the floor, everyone could shoot. They just had to let it go. Um, and if they let it go, we would be, I think, one of the top three-point shooting teams in the NBA. So I, I looked at this year, and I always thought, and I think I put this in my season predictions, which was I thought we'd be a 50-win team. Um, you know, did I think we would have the number one point differential in the NBA? No, I wasn't quite that. I wasn't quite there, but that would have been a really bold prediction. Um, but I always thought this was a really talented team. I always thought that this was a team that should be going into the top four in the Eastern Conference. And I think a lot of people, including our team, thought we underperformed a little bit last year um, based on talent. So I think this year we're actually performing to the to the level and maybe even a little bit above what you know probably I had thought. But I don't think this was something that inside the organization just completely caught us by surprise. Um, I think if you had said, would we be, uh, what are we, 22 and 9? Something like that. Um, if we were 22 and 9 with the number one point differential in the NBA, I think that we'd say, wow, we must have had a really good start to the season, especially having one of the toughest schedules in the NBA. Um, I think that would have said, oh, okay, like, that definitely means we won some games that maybe we didn't think we were going to or you know things clicked earlier than we thought they were going to but the fact that we are playing well and that we are in the hunt for home court advantage and being a top two or three team top one two or three team in the east i don't think anyone went into the season thinking no way no how like there's no way we can go from 44 wins last year to 55 wins this year um, i think everyone thought 50 55 wins was a very realistic possibility um you know i think that that is what we looked at this year as what we thought the goal should be was 50 plus um and i think that's just because we knew what the talent on this team was and you know we've always said you know coach bud was the free agent acquisition that we made we got a top two or three coach in the NBA uh, to come to Milwaukee who wanted to be here, uh, who's you know really taken this team to the next level. And I think that's what, um, you know, when they say, hey, what's a big free agent worth? I think we're seeing a big free agent worth somewhere between seven to 10 wins. And Coach Bud is that big free agent that we were able to nab. Shout out to you on that flex. What are we, 22 and nine? Uh, that, that was well done. Just casual, just yeah, casual. No, I sure, idea. why not? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so one thing I want to talk to you about is obviously uh, with the new arena, I think I've heard all the stories about how you guys did this whirlwind tour of all of these arenas and you picked all of these things and you, you visited them and figured out these are the things that we really love at each of these arenas. How can we meld them into Frankenstein's monster and create this, this beautiful arena? And I'm curious for you, expectation versus reality. Like, and I'm sure you're going to say Foster Forum's best, best arena in, in the world, which is fine. Uh, but I've I'm never curious. seen anything better. <laughs> but I'm curious for you, you know, like as, as you saw it happen, like as you look at it now, kind of what goes through your mind? I mean, I, look, I, Fiserv Forum, I think, is one of the top arenas in the NBA. Uh, I really do believe that. There's also only so many ways to skin a cat when you're looking at something like this, right? There's, you got to have the bowl. You have a lower bowl. You have an upper bowl. You have a concourse that's in There's a circle. A court. And, and you put a court in the middle of it with, with a bunch of locker rooms on the side. Like, 
that's what an arena is. Um, I think what we were able to do was look at what a lot of new arenas and renovated arenas had done right and what they had done wrong and tried to take all of the best aspects of it. And look, people who are going to be building their new arenas are going to come to us and say, hey, what did you do right? And what did you do wrong? We did not do everything perfect. Um, I think we did a lot of things really well. Um, I think from a basketball standpoint, being able to put a lot more seats in the lower bowl compared to the upper bowl, we made sure every sight line, even the upper bowl, is a good look. Um, I like the really open concept that we were able to put, which is unique for a lot of arenas. Most arenas are not as open as ours is, and I love the, especially on that one side of the concourse, that just kind of has this open market feel to it. Um, I think that's very unique that I haven't seen in a lot of arenas. Um, I think a lot of the things that people, that you don't notice, but that concerts notice and um, acts that don't have to do with basketball, I think that's where we were really able to up our game. Um, because, you know, again, basketball is, basketball is basketball. You create good sight lines, you put a really nice scoreboard up there. You make the locker rooms really pretty. You've got a great basketball arena. I think what we were able to do for concerts, Disney on Ice, et cetera, was make it really adaptable and really flexible for whoever was trying to come here. We made sure that the star dressing rooms were state of the art and that we were going to take care of any artist that's coming in. And so I think from, from that perspective and acoustically, we were able to make this, I think, an arena that anyone that's playing here has left and said that's one of the best arenas i've played in just because we created an, and we created we made sure that the arena acoustically sounded better than almost anywhere else and so what we wanted to do was make it so that anyone that was coming to milwaukee for the first time were the new it thing so everyone was going to come here we wanted to make sure that whenever they came here they immediately wanted to come back on their next tour and that you know whenever any of the touring agencies are looking for that next tour they're going to look at, they're going to say Pfizer form is a must play. Um, and that has to do with a lot of things that are backstage, you know, loading down. I'm not going to bore you like Frank will with salary cap stuff and everything. <laughs> but a lot of the stuff that you don't see is, I think, where a lot of the real innovation was um, and where we were able to really change the game for Milwaukee and make this a true entertainment capital of the Midwest. Um, you know, will be one of the, I think, top. Five, I think in, the, in this year, so in 2018, we'll have sold uh, more tickets than the United Center sold um, in 2018 from when we opened. So from the point that we opened, we'll have sold more tickets than, than United Center. Is, is that the Jabari Parker effect? or what? Sorry. Whoa, Ray, come on Sorry. now. So we'll have sold more tickets right. than... And, and I think that's something that, look, we want to continue to keep that going because that's something that I think is very impressive. Um, and it's something that puts Milwaukee on the market as an entertainment capital. Um, and so as we can continue to do that, uh, I think we're, you know, in the diversity of entertainment that we're able to get, that's all stuff that, you know, again, is, it's not basketball related, but it's what Pfizer Forum is supposed to do. We promised that this was going to be more than basketball. Uh, and it is. You can see all the concert acts that we've gotten. We're, I think, one of the top ten arenas in the co in the world. Um, and that's something that uh, I don't think Milwaukee thought they'd be able to say. 
So, well, we're not in Q and A, but we might as well you, right. we might as well answer our question. So the question was: Is Milwaukee going to get the DNC Democratic National Convention? Alex has been very involved in that update that you can provide at this point. Yeah, so we are in the top three. Um, so it's between us, Houston, and Miami. And again, I think when you look at the cities that we're going up against, the fact that I think we're, you know, very much in the conversation um, with two cities that are some of the largest metro areas uh, in the country, um, I think speaks a lot to not only Pfizer Forum, but the fact that Milwaukee actually is a city that can host these type of events. Um, and I think the fact once we start to believe that we can host these type of events, these events will start coming here. Um, and that's what this whole bid process is supposed to show, which is Milwaukee is capable and can competently host massive events. A DNC is, a political convention is probably the third biggest event that you can host behind a Final Four and a Super Bowl. Um, we can't host a Super Bowl because Lambeau's in Green Bay and not Milwaukee, so this is the biggest thing we'll be able to host. The fact that we're even in the finals of this shows that Milwaukee can competently host anything that it wants, um, just from a city size, from hotels, and having Pfizer Forum. So I think that is an achievement. I do think we're going to get it. I feel confident that the story Milwaukee has been able to tell um, and what the city has to offer is really attractive to what the DNC is looking for. Um, we'll find out in Feb. I think in early Feb, early mid February, if we got it. Uh, I like our chances just as much, if not better, than anyone else's. But um, it's tough. We're going against big cities that are turnkey convention cities. So there is an inherent risk in coming here because we've never done something like this before. I think we can pull it off. And if we get this, that leads to. NBA All-Star Games and, you know, any other event you can think of, they're going to start coming here because we just pulled off the biggest event that you can host. Um, and now there's no excuse for anything else not coming here. So I feel good about it. But, again, we're going up against traditional convention cities that have hosted Super Bowls and Final Fours. So um, if we're able to pull it off, you know, I think that's a, uh, that's a really big statement of what Milwaukee can do and what Pfizer Forum has been able to attract. So my, my in-laws live in Houston. I've been to Houston Wait, in the summer. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I don't know why anyone would want to hold a convention in Houston in the summer. So for once, as basketball fans, I feel like we can't use climate as an, our, as an advantage, you know, <laughs> for the Bucks. But for something like this, hopefully it will be an advantage. And you talked about, you, you alluded to it. We wanted to ask, I think Cleveland was recently announced as getting one of the future All-Star games why the NBA wants to go back to Cleveland. I, I, I feel like people have gotten that. They had an All-Star game like 20 years ago, I think, and I think people have been there for the finals, you know, way too much. They didn't renovate too, the arena or anything, did they? Oh, never, yeah, never yeah, mind. So, never so, mind. Okay. Never <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> obvious follow-up question. DNC would be awesome for the city, right? Showcase what the city can do. We want that All-Star game. So what, what's the process like? Have conversations been happening? Kind of what's, what's like a timeline for figuring out you know, we built the shiny arena. It's great. Excitement about the team. City can, can handle this type of event. What, what does the process look like for that? Yeah, so I think um, so the pro we've put in a bid. Um, I think Cleveland is 22-23. Is that the season that Cleveland just yeah. got? I think that Someone yeah. fact-check that. I, so, so, we're at so I think Cleveland maybe got 2022. Um, yeah, so Chicago's 2020. Indiana's 2021. 
Cleveland's 2022. We're looking at 2023. Um, we've put in a bid. Look, we're up against big competition, right? Sacramento's got a new arena. Golden State's going to have a new, you know, $2 billion arena. Um, there are going to be other, you know, they've just been in the Midwest. They'll have been in the Midwest three years in a row. Um, the NBA generally likes to look at some sort of geographical diversity. Um, look, I think Milwaukee, for an NBA All-Star game, we're going up against the fact that we just don't have that, that five-star hotel. Um, you know, the Fister is great, and it's where all the NBA teams stay, but we're going up against, you know, not having that, you know, that Four Seasons or that JW Marriott or something like that. Um, the, the, the difference that I think that I think what we have, I think the advantage that we have that other cities probably don't have is um, I think the fact that I think Milwaukee is right now a really interesting and hot city, especially from a basketball perspective, which I think should really help us out. Um, the bid process is tough. We're not like we're not the only city looking for an all-star game. Everyone wants an all. Everyone wants an all-star game. Um, so I think that. Um, so I working? think that we've got a. So I think that we've got a good shot at. I like our chances on that bid as well. Um, we're going up against a lot of really strong competition. Um, and again, I think the, the lack of geographical diversity is, is tough. The fact that they've gone three Midwestern cities in a row is, is not helpful to our bid, I don't think. But I, you know, I think the fact that Giannis is clearly becoming you know, the second most, if not the most popular player in the NBA. I mean, you just look at the fact that last year, I think he got the second most votes of the N in the All-Star you know, behind LeBron. Um, that shows that you know, Giannis is one of the most popular players in the NBA um, worldwide. Uh, and that's something that I think is, uh, is something that the NBA is going to look hard at and it's something that they do look hard at. So I think we've got a, shot, a good shot at it. I just think it's, uh, there's a lot of competition. Um, the bid process is very technical. You know, you don't just drive it up like Indiana did in a in a really cool indie car in New York and hand it in. Um, the The process is very technical, but I, I do think we got a good shot. I like our chances, um, but it's a you know the, the geographical diversity hurts. Um, I don't I don't think that's extreme. I don't think that's um, in our benefit. But I think the fact Pfizer Forum, Giannis, Milwaukee being this new really hot NBA city, uh, I think that does help. All right, I, th I think that's. I think we're good with Alex, unless you you're good. I know. Anytime I ask if you're good, you're gonna say, I say something. I say no, and then I talk for five minutes. Sure, that's what I do. Perfect. But yeah. you're okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Should we okay. Do, should we do so, Q and A? No, let's wrap it. Everyone get some beers, okay. and then we'll do some Q and A. Everyone sound good with that? Uh, I would assume you're at the end. Big thanks to Alex. Give it up for him. Shout out to Kathy. <laughs> thanks, Kathy. Uh, that'll be it. All right. Get some beers, we'll have some Q&A. Alright, let's do this, y'all. We're going to do some Q&A real quick. If you have questions for Frank, if you have questions for me, if you have questions for Alex, that is what we're going to do right now. 
Um, so there's really no orderly way to go about this. Um, but obviously, as you can see, I'm kind of at the corner of this little table. Uh, so if you have a question, you should probably come up. Um, don't fight over it. That would be bad. Um, but just come over here, ask a question, say your name, uh, and then obviously... Twitter handle if you have one. Oh, yeah, for sure. Twitter handle. We're trying to get y'all followers. Um, so if we can do some of that tonight, come on up. We'll have a good time. Um, all right, that's about it. Hey, Sean at Radio Wires. I got terrible tweets. Um, <laughs> I know Radio Wires. I know Radio Wires. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Radio Wires. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. I, I, uh, I coined Big, uh, Big Shot Brock with my man Nick Lamont. Big Shot Brock. Yeah, yes. Big Shot Brock. I, I owe you royalties on using that. That's I right, man. appreciate it. All right. How do you feel about the Anthony Davis rumors? All right. Um, I think there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to get this question. Uh, so... <laughs> Let's go to Alex, because I've been heckled at the moment. So, Alex, uh, just before you answer, Be careful. realize that you're in front of a microphone. I, I, I legally jump. cannot no answer this question. So, so, Alex cannot answer. So, I won't. Uh, which seems like a good idea. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit. So, um, kind of what we... I, I know Frank and I kind of talked about For the record, before. I have stepped away, and my hands are on my ears. <laughs> Earmuffs. Earmuffs, Alex. All right, thank you. Um, wow, I almost just cursed like three times. Okay. Um, so uh, to me, I think it's interesting, obviously, but I think the tough part of all of this is it's Anthony Davis. Like, he's, he's incredibly good. You're going to have to find a way to pry him away from that team. And as we've talked about with the Bucks, uh, obviously 80% of the starting lineup they're going to be free agents after this year. So it's pretty tough to put together a, a full asset base that you're going to go out and get a superstar when you have that many guys that are on short contracts. You don't really have those assets. And there's no doubt that this Bucks team is playing better, but as far as you trying to figure out if you have the assets to go get Anthony Davis, I think it's still pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I am not worried at all about playing Anthony Davis with Giannis, so I'll just park that over there. No um, concerns. I think they can, they can figure it out. We know we're feeling ourselves as Bucks fan when we're like, oh, I don't know if Anthony Davis, like, do we want to <laughs> mess things up by putting him? Um, I think, uh, I, I think the, it, it, I think you hit it there. I mean, they're not going to trade him during the season, so really probably it's a question for the summer, right? If he doesn't take the Supermax, that'll be the message that New Orleans probably needs to think about trading him or he becomes a free agent, not this summer, but the following year. So um, I think the big problem is that Boston has, and I'm not as big a Jason Tatum fan as a lot of people, but they have an asset in a guy like Tatum that they can put on the table, and the Bucks, especially with all these free agents, they don't have anybody like that that they can put on the table. So I think the hard part is just you don't have like that kind of A-plus asset that you can put into a Davis deal. And again, ultimately, it's going to be a competitively bid process if he goes on the market. So I think you just don't have that type, that level of asset. I think to, to put in a deal like that, you have a lot of like you know younger okay assets. You know, um, maybe I don't want to cap DJ Wilson that you know sure. not being an A plus yeah, asset absolutely. by the end of this year. Um, but uh, I, I would say I'm I'm not. I just I just don't think there's a realistic path given what some of these other teams have asset wise to to offer if it gets to the point of Davis being on the block. It's funny that you say you're not that big of a fan of Jason Tatum because I believe my thoughts on Jason Tatum are pretty well documented. Um, so if you're not that big of a fan, then I don't know what I am. Um, all right, let's, what do we got next? Thank you so much for the question. 
that kind of plays perfectly into the question I have. <laughs> Which is that uh, you asked earlier, who are you afraid of in the East? And this season, that answer might be not a lot of teams. But I think the consequence of the Henson and Delvadova cap space clearing trade, or cap space opening trade, is that the Bucks are signaling, you don't have to listen to this, that they're going to be committing <laughs> to a good amount of the current core this offseason. As a Bucks fan, what reason do I have not to fear that Boston between Tatum Brown and their young guys and all their draft picks and Philly between throwout folds but and Bead and Simmons aren't going to have their in-house talent develop at a far quicker pace and ultimately to be better players than our in-house talent by locking up guys who are in their mid to late 20s and then just Giannis and Brogdon is the guys who are going to develop. So what reason do I have not to fear that as a Bucks fan? Can I trust the Bucks? <laughs> well, well, we all know rule number one. Um, Frank, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, so the, the first reason I think the, the pro-Bucks argument, you know, is Giannis, right? So you have Giannis and nobody else has Giannis, which I think is especially relevant compared to Boston. You know, Tatum... I've, I mean, th- this year has broken right in a lot of ways for the Bucks, not just because of what the Bucks have done, but also for what has not happened with some of these other teams. The, the, the Sixers, think about what Sixers were, they were a year ago. They had Markel Fultz, star point guard of the future, that they just you know gave up uh, this extra first-round pick for. Now they have guy who can't get on the court. I mean, that is a massive shift to, when you think about, like, you know, as an asset sheet, right? Like, like what... Philly had going for them. They've taken a huge L on Fultz, and especially even if you look at for like pre-Fultz when they had that extra pick as well. Now they did get Miami's unprotected 2021 pick, so that helps them. They have, I think, an asset they can throw out in a trade to maybe make a big deal that you know the Bucks don't have right owing picks rather than having all their own. Um, but I think that's a big one. So you know Philly again, no Giannis, Fultz likely being nothing. So that that helps. Um, and I think again, like with Philly, obviously there's also questions, right? I mean. Do Simmons, Embiid, Butler fit the way you want? I think that's their core, right? They're, they're going to have some flexibility maybe this summer, but that's really probably the core. And then, you know, Embiid, I mean, it's great that he's been healthy this year. Long term, who knows, right? There's still some questions there. So I think Philly's sort of – I think their floor is way higher than it was a year ago when we, we would have had this discussion. But I think their ceiling is also probably lower than it was. Um, so I think that's interesting. And then I think with Boston, I mean, they still have obviously a lot of assets, but they just don't have that sort of transformative superstar. I don't think Tatum's going to be that. You know, you can't be a Giannis AD level player if you are not, you know, a transformative defender or playmaker. You know, you can get buckets, great. Like, that's useful, but I think caps your ceiling a little bit. Um, and then when you think about some of like the, the talent on their team, I mean, Horford has killed the Bucks. Who has been the best player for the Celtics against the Bucks over the last year? Probably Al Every Horford. Every single time. Yeah, Al Horford in three years. I mean, right now even, I mean, he's starting to age a bit. I don't know if they can keep him when he becomes a free agent. I forget if it's the, in a yeah. year from now or something like that. But, um, but so I think as like Tatum and maybe Brown, like what is Jalen Brown? I mean, he hasn't played well. So I think there's an interesting kind of their window is a little weird because, you know, especially Horford kind of maybe aging out a little bit is I think going to, you know, sort of hurt them longer term. And then obviously Kyrie is at injuries. I think he is kind of is what he is, you know, great player, but again, not, you know, A-list superstar. And then with these young guys, like how do these pieces all kind of fit together? So um, again, I think they're, 
I mean, they've got a lot going for them. You know, Danny Ainge, the infrastructure they have is, is terrific. Um, depth is great, coaching, a lot of reasons to fear them long-term. Um, but I still think, I, I, I feel like a year ago, I would have said like, you just, the arms race, you can't compete with those guys, even if Giannis is Giannis. Um, now I think there's definitely a room there. And a lot of that's because again, like, you know, Tatum not making a leap immediately, maybe he makes it eventually, whatever. But Brown getting worse, not looking like he's a guy that makes sense long-term. Hayward, who knows what Hayward, I mean, what is he gonna be like a $25 million a year six man? I don't know, right? Maybe he comes back to what he was. So um, I think there's a lot of things that have broken right for the Bucks, even aside from what's happened in Milwaukee. And then Toronto is just this huge question mark with, with Kawhi. If Kawhi leaves, I don't know what they do, right? They have a, they have a lot of talent. I think they could still be solid without him, but um, everything kind of hinges on that. And they're, I think they're an interesting team because I think structurally they look a lot more like the Bucks, just in terms of having a lot of interesting kind of pieces around him. But, you know, as good as Lowry is, he's not getting better. You know, he's aging. We've, we've seen that in the Bucks games against them. Um, so I think, again, like there's the, the window for the Bucks, I think, is a lot wider now and it's not just because of what the bucks have done it's also because of what you know has happened with some of these other teams that was more of a frank podcast droning on type comment but i was just gonna ask if we need to get the wrap it up box like wrap it up wrap it up um one thing i will say though is i think this off season one thing that becomes really interesting to me is that you know at, at some point you have to commit to it yeah. Like at some point you have to push your chips into the table. Like it, the talking about flexibility is really fun. Like it, it's great. It leads to lots of hypotheticals, all these wonderful things that could possibly maybe happen. Anthony Davis, whoever it may be with all of this, this cap space. But at some point you do have to use it. And, you know, if you win 55 games, 56 games, all of a sudden, Maybe that's the way that you use it. So I do think that is the one thing about this summit that's kind of terrifying is that this might be the summer where you say, hey, this is what we're going to be going forward, and you have to be comfortable with this is the team that we are moving forward. And I think for fans, that, that is a tough thing to deal with is that you're kind of thinking through like, okay, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez. Like, this is who we are. And you have to just kind of deal with it. And that's scary. Like, the fact that there there's – no thought of what else could happen that can be scary so i i do understand the question so thank you for it but um i do think it's very interesting all right next up wait 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 does can alex i don't know if you what you can I, say i was trying point, to keep him out of it like, no i look i is there a team in the east that i that scares me no there's no team in the east that scares me because we have Giannis, and when you get into the playoffs having the best player on the court matters and when you have the best player on the court, you are always going to be in the series. When you have one of the best coaches in the NBA, that then puts you in an even better advantage. Um, I think there's always, there, there's always gonna come a time when does potential match what the reality is? And I think when it comes to us, we've got a really, really strong, solid team. Um, and I think we've got a really great team because the pieces fit and they fit with the system and they fit with Giannis and they fit with Chris and Eric and I think we've got a lot of depth and it'll be interesting to see how it all comes together come playoff time. Um, you know, putting your my pundit hat on, which is always dangerous. Um, you know, depth in playoffs hasn't mattered as much as front, front load talent. Bledsoe has played as a top what 
25 player in the NBA. Um, yes. Playoff Chris is a thing. Like Flamethrower yeah, Chris. Yeah, Flamethrower Chris is a thing. When he, like, and Chris is also having, you know, I think a, again, another borderline all-star, if not actual all-star season. So you put those three players in, and maybe you don't have the, the sexy big names that you expect from a big three, but you've got a big three there. Um, and then you add really nice complementary pieces and what we put together with Bud, who is going to be able to, you know, really come into and his staff really figure out an X's and O's uh, a playoff series. You know, it, it's not our do we fear anyone in the East. I think the question is, you know, I think everyone in the East is fearing us. I don't think there's anyone in the East who wants to play the Bucks. Um, and for me, that's that's a that's the position you want to be in, which is no one wants to play you, um, and you always want to have the best player on the court. So I, I'm happy to roll the dice with our team. Um, you know, we I think you're always going to try to look at what you have after the season and say, okay, where can we get better? Where can we improve? But you know, right now we've got the number one point differential in the NBA. We're we're doing something right. Uh, some <laughs> something is going right with our squad. When you've got the, you know, and this isn't just a fluke. We've played it's 30. It's a hot take, Alex. Yeah, I know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing, you know, at Alex, at Alexander Lazary, hot takes. <laughs> but we're, we've played 30 games. I mean, like, this isn't just a fluke of the season. Like, we are a, a very, very good team. Um, it, it, I know it's tough to, you know, trust the Bucks and everything, but we're a very good team. <laughs> like, it's, what, it's just what we are. Um, We've got the best point differential in the NBA. That means something. Um, so I, I trust our front office staff and our ability to upgrade talent where we need to and find and be able to plug holes where we need to plug holes. Um, but you know, right now I'd put our roster up against any other roster. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for doing this, by the way. This is really cool. Um, then <laughs> um, but in all... Oh, Twitter handle. I'm sorry. It's uh, at curly underscore e. Ken from Milwaukee. It's a nice. uh, edited picture of a uh, meet my face over Dante Di- DiVincenzo kicking up after whatever game that was. So strong, great picture. Strong, so strong, enjoy strong. it. Um, so again, oh, by the way, guys, just uh, great show. I always love listening to it because I always learn exactly. something much more about it, the Bucks and basketball in general. So thank you very much. Uh, so my question is, uh, Katie's comments. Uh, I don't know if it was a couple days ago or something like that, talking about how. Uh, Superstars don't want to go to LeBron for the sake of the pressure and everything. Would you say that Giannis right now, depending on what happens with you know next summer and cap wise, and I'm I'm very cap dumb. I like it. You guys talking to the numbers and I'm just it's over my head. <laughs> but uh, do you think Giannis right now, uh, as a player in the league, is a more attractive draw to superstars to come to the Milwaukee Bucks than say a superstar going to LA and playing with LeBron? I mean, I guess I'll take this one. I think I wrote the definitive article on it. Um, but <laughs> Whoa, okay. I'm, just saying, uh, wow. I'm just saying there's other people that say wow. things about how Giannis feels. And, well, I actually talked to him. So Subscribe uh, to The Athletic. Yeah, yeah we're, we're going to have a holiday special, my Christmas story. You're really going to love it, so make sure that you, uh, you check that one out. Um, but, you know, like, I think what's interesting is that Giannis so often – so often feels like he doesn't have to do those things. He doesn't want to do those things. Like he doesn't want to go out and recruit and 
you know, I've I've had all these. I mean, as the Bucks have gotten better this year, national writers come through more and more often. And the conversation I end up having so often is, you know, what do you think the chances of Giannis leaving are? Right, because that's that's always what it is. It's it's not about can someone get someone to play with Anthony Davis in New Orleans? It's when is Anthony Davis leaving New Orleans? And it's the same thing with Giannis. And, you know, I think the thing that has become kind of so interesting to me is that, you know, Giannis doesn't seem all that interested in leaving Milwaukee. And also the the thing that's tough is Giannis doesn't seem all that interested in recruiting people to Milwaukee. Last night he, he went out of his way to talk to Anthony Davis and say he's a very nice player and a very nice guy. And, well, I think that's good um, if you are trying to recruit someone. But he doesn't get Team USA every summer where so – if you look at kind of the the genesis of all the super teams, you can find Team USA in there. You, no, whether it's the it's the Heat with LeBron and Wade and Bosh, whether it's the Warriors with all of their guys at this point, it became a thing because of Team USA. That's how they got to know each other. So it hurts that Giannis can't recruit people in that way unless you're looking for a Nick Calathis super team, which I, I'd hope that's not what you're hoping for. Costa Kufos is uh, going to be available soon. So. Costa Kufos, maybe. Uh, Giannis does know his mom, which is great to know. Um, but if you're looking for that, like he's not going to be able to recruit in the same way. But I do think he's... He's not really looking to leave in the same way. He doesn't have as many people in his ear in the same way. And that's just not, I mean, that's just not kind of how he's wired. So uh, I guess for me, as I think through all of this and, you know, the buddy-buddy NBA or however you, you would kind of want to view it, like Giannis just kind of, kind of isn't that guy. Like I, I don't really feel like that is how he defines himself or defines how NBA success should kind of go. Um, I mean, I I would just say, look, like we've seen some very big name markets plan on, you know, using cap space to get their stars. We've seen teams like Philly last summer, which had stars um, that had cap space and really not even get in the conversation for guys like not just LeBron, but Paul George. And so I think when you think about the Bucks window for competing for a title, I think you start and maybe not end, but you probably have to start and spend the vast majority of your time thinking about how you're, you're thinking about the current core and then potentially making trades around that, um, potentially building kind of complementary pieces around that. But, you know, even with the, the Delvadova Henson move, I mean, there is a pathway that, like, for instance, if you wanted to move on from Bledsoe, you could open some flexibility to actually go after maybe not, you know, I mean, again, you're not going to get KD, but there may be a pathway to get a name brand type of, you know, point guard to replace him, right? Like maybe there's a path to creating a slot for somebody like Kemba Walker while keeping some of the other guys. But again, the very few guys that you can actually target, most guys are not looking to even leave their own team and give up money to go someplace else, let alone come to Milwaukee. So, and I agree with Eric. I, I, I don't think Giannis, you know, as much as Giannis, I think you want to play with a guy like Giannis. You know, he's also not like a, a salesman. He's not a guy that has the Team USA connections. Um, and I think... I think when you look at it, I mean, aside from KD going to Golden State, like, I don't know how many times you've really seen guys, like, go follow superstars to, you know. There's two. It's the Heat and it's the Warriors, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so I I would say, like, focus on kind of the core right right now and how you kind of work around that trades, you know, signing a guy maybe to to complement that. I think it's going to – it'd be a lot harder to to get, like, a big-name free agent, especially because really, like, this summer – 
maybe next summer after that. I mean, those are really your only windows probably. And then you're, again, you lock in. At some point, your players get good enough, get old enough that you pretty much have to lock into a core. It's just the way it is. And I'm not going to speak. This, this is more general. Um, Watch yourself, how, Alex. Yeah, this is just more general um, speak, which is, look, every person is different, right? Like, basketball players are human beings. They all have different wants, different needs, different things that motivate them and different things that are top of the priorities of where they're going to work, what are second to where they want to work, and what are third. And for just as many stories of superstars leaving their teams, I can find you just as many of people staying with their team that they've been on. And so just as many stories of people leaving small markets for big markets i can find just as many stories of especially in the more modern nba where you don't need to be in new york to be on television um, i can find you just as many stories as superstars staying in a small market and so this is just a more general thought on how this works it's it's similar to how you always remember the poker hand that you lost rather than the big hands that you won um we always remember LeBron leaving. We always remember KD leaving. But, you know, we don't remember what Russell Westbrook staying. We don't remember, you know, Chris Paul, who did want us to, who stayed in New Orleans for a while. We don't remember Anthony Davis, who signed his max at midnight Janu- July 1st um, the first time. Like, we, we forget a lot of the times where people have stayed because you always remember the big things of people leaving and so you know again who knows what's going to happen in however many years but in general there are just as many stories of people staying as there are people leaving it's it's just a thing of what happens in the workplace and that's life hello uh dan helsel at dan is everywhere or grand admiral dan on real gm for those who (laughs) post there uh this has been the best Bucks season that I have followed, and I've been following the team very closely since I was eight, nine years old in the 80s. However, this has kind of uh, taken us past a little anxiety that myself and other fans have had about just the initial years of the, the current ownership group. I like where we're at right now. Um, we're in such a rare, uh, we have such a rare situation compared to other NBA teams where there's one final decision maker. With us, we really have three. Uh, can you speak at all to anything that this ownership group and just this management team has learned over the first couple of years and kind of uh, to, to where they are right now and perhaps... Um, you know what, what you think you've improved upon uh, to, to get us to where we are, whereas uh, you know uh, there were missteps in fans' opinions over those first <laughs> couple of years, and especially in how certain processes were handled. Yeah, I mean, I I'd think, be happy to take this. <laughs> uh, I think there was one a lot of misrepresentation of how certain processes were handled um, and a failure to actually believe how certain processes were handled because I don't think people wanted to believe that's how they were going on. But look, anytime you enter into a new business, um, you own a new business, there are going to be growing pains. There's going to be maturing in there. Um, You're going to make some really good decisions and you're going to make some not so great decisions. I don't think anyone would say 
any team has ever been perfect in everything that they've done. This is just the nature of the business. The problem is missteps in such a public uh, forum uh, just tend to get magnified. And especially when you're a new ownership team with a superstar, a budding superstar, and you're not in necessarily a regrowth period right away. Um, you actually jumped into a period of uh, high expectations. Um, I think what I think what we've what we've been able to do is learn how the NBA business works. Um, I think we've been able to learn how teams get built, how the modern style of the NBA is played, um, and I think you're you're seeing that. You know, I, I, again, this has only been. Now, this hasn't been a 20-year runway. Um, you know, we've had the team for this is our fifth season, um, so it, it, it's not like you know this has been a 15, 20-year figure-it-out period. Um, I think there's been a lot of a lot of learning and a lot of good decision-making over the course of four or five years. There have been missteps, no doubt, but I think on the whole and on par, things have been have been better and decisions have been better than we've made more good decisions than bad and there have been no you know there are times when you can make a decision that's bad that's franchise altering and puts you in a hole that you can't get out of and i think everything that we've done has been we've taken some risk but nothing that would you would say is oh if you messed up that's the end like you're you're screwed for the next four or five years and I think that's something in, that's important. I think we've taken calculated risks, and I think we've taken risks that some have worked out, some maybe haven't in the way that we would have liked to. But on par, I think. Look, we're we got the best. We're twenty-two and nine, and best point differential in the NBA. There's something going on that's right, um, and I think we've we've learned a lot. And I think that's. I think it's important to remember that this is a young ownership group, um, and it's a. It, it, it's the NBA is a is a really tough business, um, and it's a different business than really anything else because it's so public. And when there's almost nothing that's this public, other than I would probably say politics, where every little thing that you do is magnified. And you know, I think my dad has said this, which is. We don't own the Bucks. The Bucks are owned by Milwaukee, and we are just the public steward of the team. And that makes it where we really believe the fans have a say, have a right, and should be critical when we're doing things wrong, and should not be as critical as when we're doing things right. Um, and we want to be held accountable for the good and bad decisions. Um, but I think really what you've learned is there's nothing wrong with being involved. There's nothing wrong with, you know, look, they paid for the team. They're allowed to be involved in decision-making. But you also have to, um, you know, I think you have to really dive deep and invest in the, in the parts that help you make decisions better. So more data analytics. And, you know, I think in hiring Seth Part now to be, you know, who's probably one of the best in analytics in, in the NBA to be our head of analytics, I think, has really helped us make data-driven decisions. Um, you know, I think having a, um, you know, making sure that everyone is on the same page is something that uh, 
has really helped. And I think, look, the other thing is there's going to be arguments and disagreements. That doesn't mean that that's the end of the world. Um, as long as, at the end of the day, a good process is run, you're going to make good decisions with that process and you're going to make some decisions that just didn't turn out the right way. But as long as you have a good process leading to those decisions, um, on balance, you are going to make a lot better decisions than bad ones. And I think that's something that uh, that have been put in place um, and that has, I think, really taken hold the last two or three years, um, which is why I think you've seen uh, as much improvement as we've had. All right. Uh, I think we started at 7.05, which means I think we're going to try to end at 9.05, so about two hours. So we got about 10 minutes here. It's 8.55 right now. We'll take three more questions, uh, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Rapid so, fire. Rapid fire, yes. Uh, so go ahead. Okay. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Name and Twitter handle. No, tw- uh, shout out Shea Serrano. Probably the oh, best uh, my man. basketball Twitter, <laughs> not at this table right now. That's right. That's uh, right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, I, okay, fine. You follow him. Very I, diplomatic. I, yeah. um, so, Alex, when you were speaking, you mentioned the Bucks as potentially a two or a three seed, and then you corrected yourself to make it into a one seed, one, two, or a three seed. Then when 45 seconds later, you mentioned Coach Bud. You said he's a top two or three coach. I think maybe you could have included one, two, or three. What do you guys think about uh, Coach Bud's prospects as Coach of the Year this year, and how does that compare to Giannis's MVP case this year? All right. Just for the record, when I say top two or three Bud, I'm not saying you couldn't be number one. You definitely could be. Um, it's just not saying the number one. Um, I think have Bud, a take, Alex. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So diplomatic. Look, I think Bud. Ha- is every much in the argument as anyone else for coach of the year. I mean, I, d- I just don't think you can look at what happened, what, where we were last year to where we are this year, and not say that Bud hasn't had a significant turnaround in the first 30 games. Um, this is the first time, I think, since, what, 1990 that we've won, that we've been 11 games over 500 um, after 30 games in the season. You know, I think it took us... Uh, I don't know. It took us a ton of games last year to get to 20 wins than it took us this year. Um, So I think when you look at how Bud is maximizing our talent, when you look at how the system that we're now playing on offense and defense, when you look at quality of shots by opponents versus quality of shots by us, we're in the top one, two, or three uh, in all of that. Bud has to be in there. Um, There's just no other way around it. If you look at any statistical metric um, if you just look at wins and losses if you look at point differential the team is in the top one two or three and everything um, and we're in the top we're the top five coach bud is a big reason for that uh, so I think when you're looking at MVP when you're looking at coach of the year um, when you're looking at all-star selections you've got to be looking at the Milwaukee Bucks for all of those awards, all NBA, everything. So, um, I mean, I'll take it further than Alex. Like, there's no reason that this Bucks team couldn't have coach of the year, couldn't have MVP. And, I mean, when you look at the Brooke Lopez signing, this is something I've said a number of times. That's the best sign of the summer. Like, I don't know if they're going to go as far as to say executive of the year, John Horace, but, you know, like, it's not totally out of the question that all three of those things could be – I mean, I think it's at least in the conversation. I think when you look at, look, executive of the year is not just signing free agents. It's 
you know, John Horst hired the coach. He hired mm-hmm. Mike Budenholzer. He signed Urson. He signed Brooke Lopez. Christian he signed Wood. Pat Connaughton. Christian, Christian Wood. Wood. Yeah, I like Christian Wood. <laughs> <Dante. laughs> There, there, there's a lot. There's a lot of good that happened this past offseason that was because of groundwork laid, you know, a year or so before, in just terms of planning. And so I think when you look at, if you look at any award category, I think you have to look at the Bucks as being in that top five in everything. Um, do I think Bud is the coach of the year? Yes. Do I think Giannis is the MVP? Yes. Do I think Sterling Brown? who I think is our sixth man, is our sixth man of the year, 100%. Oh. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, let's have another question. Hot take, hot take. <laughs> we might be able to include TJ Wilson as most improved. Thank you for that. All right, let's go to the next one. Thank you. Hi, Matt. Uh, Matty Ice underscore 32 on Twitter. I create none of my own content. I was just wondering. Same. <laughs> I was just wondering. Which acquisition, either trade or draft or anything, has excited you most as a Bucks fan in your time as a Bucks fan? Um, wow, that's a long that's time. That's a tough one. Oh, theirs? I oh. mean, you no, you take it, and then w- both of us can Which think about it for a while. Well, look, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, signing Greg Monroe yeah. was really exciting. Um, whatever happened, happened. But signing Greg Monroe was a turning point I think in the Bucks franchise in the sense that you had every big market trying to get after him anyone with cap space was trying to get him and he wanted to come to Milwaukee and I think that said Milwaukee is a free agent destination Milwaukee is a desirable place to come and anytime you're talking about oh do people want to play in Milwaukee do people not want to play in Milwaukee that, that said people want to play in Milwaukee people want to be here um and so for me, the signing of Greg was, you know, I mean, like, look, if we're taking out the extensions of Giannis and Chris and, you know, and that, like, signing, I think signing Greg was one of the, one of the real turning point moments in the franchise and just what it said about the Milwaukee Bucks and where the Milwaukee Bucks had gone in the two years that we had owned the team. Um, I remember where I was when Greg called and said he wanted to come to Milwaukee you know, I remember the f- going into the free agent pitch and being there at three in the morning in D.C. Uh, you know, talking to Greg and David Falk, and like it was exciting and it was fun. And then when he said he wanted to come here, like that was that was huge. Like, and I think we all forget how monumental it was that the free agent signing of that year said that they wanted to come to Milwaukee um, and what that meant. That was before Pfizer Forum. That was before. Giannis's first All-Star game, like we hadn't, we didn't have an All-Star that year. That was, this was a big deal, uh, and I think that we sometimes forget that that was what, that was what three years ago, like, it, that was a big deal, and I think that was that was probably the most exciting free agent signing that uh, that that I've been a part of. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I, I was gonna say similar. I remember being at not in the room, uh, but being at LAX airport. Uh, having just dropped off a car at Avis and waiting for the shuttle, and I remember looking at my phone and seeing it, and it was like, holy crap, Greg Monroe, right? And, okay, I was in a shitty apartment in Kansas at the time. <laughs> I, I remember it. It was a little less shitty that day, though, wasn't yes, it? it yeah. was. Yes, it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, again, I, I would tend to agree. I think um, probably the more recent thing, I was, I was really excited about the Bledsoe trade when it happened. I think, especially last year, I know that 
was questioned a lot. Um, I think it's been <laughs> gratifying to feel like, okay, yeah, this year it's really paying off and we're seeing kind of what we thought he could. I mean, he's, I mean, real GM, right? Remember, we should have gotten Eric Bledsoe in the Dudley trade, right? Like there was that whole like relitigation. Why didn't the Bucks get Eric Bledsoe three or four years earlier or whatever it was? So to feel like, wow, like there's this guy available who seems like he could actually help us. And then, holy crap, the Bucks actually went out and got that guy and didn't give up, you know, the farm to do it. Um, I thought that was a really good move. And obviously we're seeing it this year, like their talent base is marketedly higher their ceiling is markedly higher for having a player of his of his caliber. So, I was in on Bobby Simmons. Sorry, I, um, I, yeah. you know, like I, I like that happened, and I was like, "Yep, this is this is the Bucks letting everyone know Michael Red, Bobby Simmons, it's happening." Um, Bringing back Dan Godzarich yeah, to back up Andrew Bogut. Everything's for six gonna work. Everything's gonna work out. Nothing could possibly go wrong. That was where my head was at. That's the one that I kind of like think of when it was just like whoa that's what happened and the bucks did that and i thought yeah six man of the year bobby simmons let's go and uh, that didn't happen um all right let's get another question hey thanks eric um thanks for fitting me in let's give these guys a round of applause come on frank madden that's as loud as you can get jeez okay all right fine go ahead he's yeah. a he's a plant i mean he's got a, he's got eric's book we know we're, yeah. we're paying him to, to, to do that thank you We'll negotiate that later. So Frank Mann, Alex Lazare, Eric Name, everyone, come on. These guys, <laughs> yeah! they've got more important things to you. You not so much, but these true. <laughs> um, and also, if you didn't pick up Eric's book yet. Wow, Eric. Slide him a 20. Slide him a 20. <laughs> With a B Athletic su- subscription, what is that, like 50 bucks? No, it's no. it's way cheaper way than that. Cheaper. We definitely can do it way he cheaper than that. Talk to me after. We'll figure it out. It'll be fine. Anyway, the question, this is going to be primacy recency. Like, Alex, I preloaded with you with this in the set break. Again, I'm not on Twitter, Instagram, MaxOnSack7. Look it up. <laughs> but, Alex, we talked about this at the set break. The Bradley Center demolition started this week. What do you want to see there built, and which five-star hotel chain are you quartering, and who's, who's worthy of the anchor tenant in that place? Uh, so what do I want to see at the Bradley Center spot? Um, we are – I would like – I think what we're looking for is – Rocky Rococo's probably. I that think would be, a, be Oh, I'm so in. I am that so would, in on my, that. I mean, look, I didn't think that would be possible, <laughs> uh, but I'm just not dreaming big enough. Uh, <laughs> Look, I think everyone thinks, um, and I don't think it's any secret, a big hotel or big corporate headquarters would be the perfect fit there. Um, you know, I'm not against if something, if, you know, something comes to market that's completely unique and something that I haven't thought of would make more sense there. Um, I'm definitely open to it. I think that spot is prime for something just really cool, and that's going to be what really makes, I think, the entire neighborhood. What we do in the Bradley Center site is what is going to add the density and make that whole area, I think, really come together. And it's going to be what connects Pfizer Forum to the Convention Center to Wisconsin Avenue and make this whole area a you know, walkable, dense, you know, pedestrian haven. Uh, and I think that's something that Milwaukee is going to want and need. And it's going to really bring that entire entertainment area, I think, from Wisconsin Avenue to, uh, to McKinley together. Um, what exactly it's going to be, we don't know yet. But I think the traditional ideas of a hotel or a corporate headquarters, I think, makes sense. Um, but if there's something else that comes to market that comes to us and says, hey, 
we think this idea would really kill it and be completely unique and tie everything together, we're open to listening and trying to find out what that could be. Uh, but I think right now, you know, you're probably thinking of a corporate headquarters or hotel. But you know, I don't know. That spot is that spot is really, really attractive uh, for whoever's looking there. Uh, I don't think that can't be in the all-star bid just because there's nothing there yet. Yeah. Can I can I give something away before we leave? Do we have anything else? Oh my there? gosh, we have all the things to give away. Let's okay. give away everything. Okay. Well, my my giveaway. So I brought um, no um, books though. I'm not giving away any books. No books. I got bobbleheads. There's a viewfinder back here. Frank has some other stuff. There will be no books given away. You will pay for those. So I, I I'm may not giving away athletic subscriptions either. None of that is happening. You can I'm, bundle those together. I, I may have to give give Alex one of these, but so so I have one tri- I have one trivia question, and if you if you blurt out the answer correctly, um, I've got like a Giannis bobblehead, and um, I've got this Let It Fly. This is a really inside Bucks type of shirt, right? Blue tape, Let It Fly for the practice court. If you want that, I've got a, I've got a large and a medium, and then I've got like a Giannis bobblehead. Eric has a bunch of crappy bobbleheads you don't want. Um, There's a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar bobblehead okay, in here. What are you good. talking about? Um, here's the thing, though. If you answer incorrectly to this question, you will not get a Giannis bobblehead. You will get a Karan Butler bobblehead. <laughs> I will find you and make you take this with you. Yeah, yeah. If you if you answer a second time incorrectly, you're taking home a Jabari Parker bobblehead, okay? And I feel bad now because I've got wow, <laughs> wow, this has been a rough podcast. Yeah. I was having second thoughts. I, I've I've really got hard on Jabari Parker tonight. Um, so I'm a, I I only prepared one. I have one my one trivia question. And then there's like a follow up if we want to give away more random crap. Um, so I'm just gonna go out and I don't have a good way of doing this. We won't make you raise your hand. Just blurt it out, yell it out if you know the answer. We're here, we're celebrating Giannis, so it's, it's somewhat Giannis, Giannis adjacent. So uh, I'm not going to ask you a Giannis stat, though, but we have, to be, we have to be very thankful we have Giannis, but we almost didn't have Giannis. With the 14th pick in the NBA draft in 2013, who said it? Shabazz Mohammed, former Buck great, uh, last year's Bucks leader in PER and true shooting percentage. Shabazz Mohammed, technically, technically, uh, sir, what what do you do? You want a shirt? Do you want a bobblehead? You want the shirt? Okay, I've got a large and a medium. Large, medium, medium. Okay. Right. As Frank is giving out, I, I do just want to say, there's you know the you know the Jabari stuff was kind of funny but the the thing about Jabari though is Jabari was probably one of the best guys for the community in Milwaukee what he gave to the city is it is something that I think goes beyond what people can accomplish on the court what he was able to do for the city his ability to speak I think intelligently and I think really in I just think intelligently on issues that were very much happening at the time uh, while he was here, while he's in Chicago as well. You know, a guy who also went through two ACL injuries and was able to work his ass off to get back. Um, I think it just shows the type of person that he is. Um, 
So I just want to say, like, I regret nothing about Jabari's tenure here. I really appreciated everything that he did for Milwaukee uh, and for the city. Um, we all in Milwaukee, I know, wish him nothing but the best and I think hope that his career ends up turning out the way that we all hoped and wanted it to because Jabari, the person, is, I think, the person that you always want on your team. Um, and Jabari, the community leader, is someone we always want on our team. Uh, and I think we're all very lucky to have him as a part of Milwaukee. Um, Chicago's lucky to have him right now, and whoever ends up having Jabari will always have a, a, a great person, which is, I think, something that uh, you always want to have in anyone that's on your team. And so just want to make sure that we point that out. Jabari was, in Milwaukee, was like, uh, you know, as a player and as a community leader was, you know, a, you know, one of the best that we could have had. So the Jabari slander is not endorsed by anyone but me. It's not so, endorsed. And I feel bad about it now, too. So anyway, uh, do you want to give away something? Oh, I got a lot of stuff to give away. Okay. I got this golden ass looking uh, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to do, you want me Malcolm to do it? Malcolm on the mantle. Malcolm like, on the mantle. Do you want me to do a trivia question for that? I, I mean, I was thinking about one, but I'm, I'm, I'm down with you. Okay, well, it. it's a follow-up. Okay. Um, so the team that picked two picks ahead of the Bucks in that draft that got Giannis yes. did not get Giannis. They instead got a player who was a favorite of our friend Jeremy Schmidt. Which player was picked with the 13th pick in the 2013 NBA draft? Where was it? Wow. There we go. You get a Malcolm on the mantle, come on up here. I can toss it over or, there, too. Or if you want one of these other things. Wow, I was really trying to get rid of this Malcolm on the mantle, and you just were not going to let that happen. Um, let's go. I'm, I'm literally going to give this one away. So uh, how many consensus All-Americans has Malcolm Brogdon had? When he was in college, someone over, someone over in this area, I think, I think in the Middleton jersey. Oh no! Oh, it was flying. It was flying so good. I'm so sorry. You hit your, you hit your plant. In I the mean, face. what do you want? I don't know. We're Frank says any more T-shirts. I've. I know he took the medium. The first prize. I have a bunch of bobbleheads. I have a viewfinder. That's true. That is very much like my three-point shot. It, no, it all the time. Uh, what about a Giannis? We have a Giannis bobblehead. Go, that, Giannis bobblehead. I don't want to throw this. No, no, no. no don't throw a Giannis She's bobblehead. We've learned. We've learned our lesson. Yes. We've. That's, that's well, like I don't a know. second year Giannis bobble. It's got to be priceless. So priceless. I would assume it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I got all of the legends of the Rafters bobbleheads up here. So if you want to raise your hand and tell me one of the retired numbers that the Milwaukee Bucks have, I'd be happy to give you that bobblehead. <laughs> Delhi is not a number, yeah, Kane Pittman. Uh, I, be I, be I believe that is number eight. Uh, but thank you for coming. Uh, you can have a Crom Butler bobblehead. Uh, let's go over there in the glasses. Number 10, Bobby D. Let's see if I can find the Bobby D bobblehead. That is not that one. Nope. There it is. Give, give Bobby D one. What do you got? Number one. Let's see if I can find it. Is that it? I think it's this one. It's this While one? Eric does this, I was, looking no for, way. I was looking for trivia today. And I've, I realized that... Oh, my gosh. I don't have the Oscar one. Oh. 
But you did win, so let's give you the Bob Lanier one. <laughs> All right, keep it going. What do you got? 14 Johnny Mac. I don't have the Johnny Mac one either, but it is retired. Johnny Mac, 100% retired, so, so let's you give you the Sidney Moncrief one. <laughs> what do we got? Two, Junior Bridgman, right there. That is yours. In the back. 32 Brian Winters. Oh, Great choice. One. It is it's yours. A bit of a deep cut. Someone yeah. walk that back to him. I have one more. Who could it possibly be? I have no idea. Thirty-three, Luel Cinder, Cream Abdul Jabbar. Go ahead, that is your bobblehead. And then I have this viewfinder, which is a wonderful, uh, wonderful little flashback. Yeah. Let's see, who's that? That's Giannis. Uh, that's the old team. That's Giannis. And okay, um, so somebody want the viewfinder? I'm trying to think. Do you have another trivia question, well, I Frank? Just, I can just keep running through the 2013 draft. The number, the number 12 pick in the 2013 NBA draft. That's a really tough question. He's from a part of the world not far from our friend Kane Pittman, who's Australian. Yes, Stephen. I don't want to give you the. <laughs> somebody else can get it. Who, el who else has? Does it? Someone else want to say Stephen Adams. <laughs> Well, oh. I think I heard a Stephen right Adams here. over here. Right here. <laughs> right there. All right. Uh, Jabari Parker bobblehead? It's out of the rotation. Oh. Oh. Wow. Wow. That was not my joke. Go ahead, Frank. My joke. Do you have We're another cutting. trivia question? Uh, I, th I can think of one more okay. from, from that. So um, I believe the Atlanta Hawks tried to trade up for Giannis. Sure. I believe they had the 17th pick in that they draft. Mm -hmm. Feel free to fact check me on this. Who did the Atlanta Hawks end up taking in the 2013 draft after not getting Giannis? I think I think it was back there, Green Hat. I think you're going that way. Dennis Schroeder. That's right. <laughs> yeah, if you if you don't pronounce the umlaut, I was thinking it was Green Hat back there. I think it was Green Hat. a trivia off. Nope, never mind. That's fair. Um, all right. I think we're uh, out of stuff. We're out of free stuff. Okay. All right. I think is are we out? We're out of free stuff. All right. So uh, a big thank you to all of you guys for coming out. This was dope. I'm so happy that all of you came. This is, this is kind of wild that, you know, you listen to our stupid podcast and you come out here and you actually want to hang out and have some fun. So uh, we do really appreciate it. I will say, spoiler alert, we are thinking about, you know, the Bucks might make the playoffs. You know, maybe we'll do another one at no one some point. What was the I did I didn't hear How many? What? I, I didn't hear Alright, so they might win that first round playoff series. Maybe they'll take six games, maybe they'll do it quicker. But either way, thank you to all of you for coming out. We really appreciate it. Drink some more beer. It goes to the Mac Fun or hang out, whatever. I got some books back here. I'll sell those. Everyone will hang out. Thank you so much for coming by.